Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith. We are on episode 134, Beware of Hot-Tempered People. I will never get over uh, just how God mentally and emotionally prepares me for podcast as well as the Sunday school lessons that I teach. I've always told my Sunday school class that God has to teach me the lessons before I can teach them to those in attendance. Just interesting, I decided on this title, Beware of Hot-Tempered People, as we talk about King Saul. We've been making our way through the book of 1 Samuel for quite some time. We took our little multi-week segue into looking at David and Goliath and talking about the giants that we face and the fact that they do not compare to the Lord of Heaven's armies. But we've been back in 1 Samuel for quite some time. And we've been talking about Saul and his mental and emotional instability, sadly, and the lessons that we can learn not only from him, but from David. And today we're going to learn from Jonathan. And when I was talking about God using situations and circumstances to prepare me, I was watching a new Hallmark Movies and Mysteries movie that came out last week that I just had not gotten an opportunity to watch called Rise and Shine Benedict Stone. And so far I've, I've really enjoyed the show and I'm looking forward to seeing how it how it plays out. But it was one particular scene that is not a main part of the movie that caused me to smile as I was thinking about just looking for the cues that can keep us from entering relationships with those who have deep internal struggles. One of the ways that we can see that manifest itself outwardly is if they've got a hot temper. And in this one particular part, it's set in a, a jewelry shop. Uh, jewelry shop, I guess is the best way to put it. And this young lady, who is the niece of the main character, um, is waiting on a young couple. And the young couple came in to get a ring. And the female of the couple, she has met this young lady before. So the young lady is talking to her and, and she's showing her her uh, engagement ring, so to speak. It was a the top of like a soda can that had been tied up with a twine or something. I mean, it was just, but she said that's all we had. And she was so touched by it, even though it had no monetary value, she was so touched by it. And when the young lady said, well, my uncle can, he can make a ring that would be in a similar direction to your engagement ring and it would be custom made for you. And the girl is so excited, but her boyfriend, all he wants is the cheapest diamond. And you can see the character that plays the boyfriend 
you can just see the seething anger in him. And the young lady who was waiting on the young couple looks at her uncle and she's like, you know, this relationship is doomed. And the thing is, how many times have we seen situations like that where we look at somebody else's life and we look at how a person reacts to, this was not a a grand stressor by any stretch of the imagination, but we see how someone reacts and it's like red flag, red flag, red flag, just absolutely. But when it comes to our own life and the people who are closest to us, I think sometimes we become immune. It's like we have dark colored glasses and we do not see them for who they really are as the rest of the world sees them. That really is kind of what we're going to talk about today in the fact of how Jonathan, Prince Jonathan, uh, King Saul's son, mistook his dad's intentions and what his dad was capable of. So as we've talked through previous weeks, we've talked about the fact that King Saul was so jealous of David that he had already attempted to kill David. And then Jonathan had gone to bat for David and had talked to his dad and apparently smoothed things over. And Saul's like, you know, my fault. David can come back and he can be here. And so Jonathan thinks everything is still good. But David understands that that is not the case. And this is one of the longer passages of scripture that I'm going to read in our podcast. And there's one particular spot where in the uh, NLT, uh, the way that uh, they are showing how, let's see, how do I put this uh, nicely? Um, Showing how abrupt uh, how how Saul's language gives us an indication of how angry he is. And at that point, I'm going to use the word that's used in the NLT, but I'm also going to use the alternate translation in the ESV. They both accomplished the same purpose of letting us know just what was underneath the surface when it came to King Saul. So we've talked in previous lessons about how much Jonathan and David loved each other. They were friends. They were those type of friends that would be there for each other no matter what. And we're going to see that even long beyond when Jonathan dies, David is still going to hold on to that covenant that he made with Jonathan, and he is going to honor it. And just, I get, I get emotional every time I talk about the relationship that they had because it was so unselfish. They were always looking out for each other. And next week we're going to talk about their goodbye. But I decided to divide this text. It's, it, it's a long text. I decided to divide it up and we would first talk about being, you know, beware of hot tempered people. And we would look at Jonathan and Saul and David and this story 
And then next week we will talk about Jonathan and David and their goodbye. They had no idea that it was going to be a final goodbye. So we're going to handle this a little bit differently than I've handled it usually. Usually I, you know, read a couple of scriptures and then I will comment on those. I'm not going to do that except for in a, in a couple of different instances because of the length of the text, but we need to read the whole text because you need to see this drama unfold because it is drama. So we talked last week about the fact that Saul was so bent on killing David that he, he sent his messengers to try to kill David. He tried to get Jonathan to try to kill David. Michael, who is Saul's daughter, had protected David to whom she was married. And then it ended in that really odd set of circumstances where David had run off to Samuel, the prophet Samuel, and Saul had sent men after him and they would all start prophesying. And then Saul himself began to prophesy. And the fact that you know, David couldn't have dreamed it up as to how God protected him because David was to be the next king of Israel. Not a question whatsoever. Let's just kind of walk down through this. And I want you to ask yourself, our weekly assignment will be ask God to show you hot-tempered tendencies in those you regularly encounter. I want us to learn from Jonathan. Jonathan has already had ample opportunity just in the interactions of scripture to know that his father is not stable and he hates David. And yet I think Jonathan, because of the relationship he had with his dad, he thought that he could soothe his dad. He thought he could, you know, be the, be the peacemaker. He really didn't think that his dad was as angry and full of hatred as he was, but the indicators were there. And because Jonathan mistook the level of anger inside of his father, it nearly cost him his own life and the life of David. So David is now returning. He's, you know, he, he had run off and had gone to hide where Samuel was, and he comes back. And so this is where we pick up 1 Samuel 20. David now fled from Naoth in Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done? He exclaimed. What is my crime? Have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? And this is where, this is one of our two focal verses, verse 2 and then verse 33 we'll come to later. But this is, this is where you see that Jonathan really doesn't, he, he doesn't believe that it's possible that his father could truly have such hatred in his heart. He says, that's not true, Jonathan protested. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Problem is, it is so. And poor Jonathan is going to be blindsided. Now we continue. Let's go. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan 
Why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I am only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. Tell me what I can do to help you, Jonathan exclaimed. David replied, tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. If your father asks where I am, tell him I ask permission to go home to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says, fine, you will know all is well. But if he is angry and loses his temper, you will know he is determined to kill me. Show me this loyalty as my sworn friend, for we made a solemn pact before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father. But please don't betray me to him. Never, Jonathan exclaimed. You know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. Then David asked, how will I know whether or not your father is angry? Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me or even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. That's a strong statement there. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David saying, May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. You will be missed when your place at the table is empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid before and wait there by the stone pile. I will come out and shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him they're on this side, then you will know as surely as the Lord lives that all is well and there is no trouble. But if I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you, then it will mean that you must leave immediately for the Lord is sending you away. And may the Lord make us keep our promises to each other for he has witnessed them. So David hid himself in the field and when the new moon festival began, the king sat down to eat. He sat at his usual place against the wall with Jonathan sitting opposite him and Abner beside him. But David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day, for he said to himself, something must have made David ceremonially unclean. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if, I, if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice. My brother demanded that I be there, so please let me get away to see my brothers, and that's why he isn't here at the king's table. Verse 30 is what I am going to substitute from the ESV just because of the strong language that is shown. The beginning of it says, Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. And I'm going to use the words that are from the ESV that say, you son of a perverse, 
rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? He was ticked and he called Jonathan a vile name is what it came down to. Verse 31, as long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. Verse 32, but why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father, what has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at least, at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat on that second day for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. And next week we will talk about verses 35 through 42. But isn't that a crazy story? And the thing is, it's a true story. So we go from in verse 2 of Jonathan. So let's go back there saying, that's not true. Jonathan protested, you're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. To then, verse 33, then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. How heartbreaking this day was for Jonathan. Not only did Jonathan, in my opinion, lose the father that he loved because he lost, he lost that image of Saul that he had been able to hold on to, even though Saul had already done some crazy things. To this point, Jonathan still held on to hope that his dad really wasn't as bad as David thought. Jonathan lost his image of Saul and he lost his best friend. I just, Jonathan is one of my absolute favorite characters in all of scripture because he, he, he loves the Lord. He looks at the first time we really come upon Jonathan, he's looking at the battle through God's eyes and God works and uses him. He sees David through God's eyes, and even though Jonathan seems to have this sixth sense that David is going to become king, that means that Jonathan will not, but Jonathan is so filled with love for David that instead of being insecure and acting like Saul, he, he just lives out the whole idea that greater is the love, that love that one friend can have for another, that a man would lay down his life for another. He's willing. He is willing. But he is heartbroken. Not only has he seen his father just make a, a raging mess and call Jonathan an absolutely 
vulgar name, but Saul attempts to kill him in his rage, and he knows he's going to kill David if he gets a chance. I just, Jonathan, but how many of us have people around us that have those same tendencies that we see in Saul. You know, we see it in Scripture, and it is obvious that Saul is absolutely not mentally stable. And yet Jonathan, savvy as he was, such a good leader, such just in all ways, but he, he was blinded to the rage that was in his father. You know, I try to think back in the relationships that I've had over my life. And I I can think of when I was that hot-tempered person. By God's grace, I'm not anymore. But I remember being, and I was the one who should have been avoided Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says, Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. We also see in Scripture that, you know, human anger does not bring about the righteous life that God wants for us. So if you are the person with that hot temper, whether it comes out in rage or it is venomous in bitter ways, can't help. Like, humble yourself before the Lord and get the help you need. But when it comes to our relationships, I'm going to pray James 1.5 over all of us. In James 1, 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Dear God, I pray for each person within the sound of my voice. I pray that you give us wisdom when it comes to choosing relationships. I pray, dear God, claiming that you have said that if we ask for wisdom, you will give it to us. And I pray, dear Father, that you help each of us that you open up our spiritual eyes and ears to see, first and foremost, inside our own heart. Dear God, if we are harboring bitterness, if we have rage inside of us, if we are even fooling ourselves, I pray that you would bring that to light. But I also pray, dear Father, that you be with us as we make choices in relationships. I pray that you help us to see with your eyes that you would not let us be snowed by flowery words, by trappings of this world, but that you would help us see as you see. Your word says that you do not look at the outward appearance, but you look at the heart. 
I pray that you give us eyes to see the hearts of those around us. If we have a hot-tempered person in our life that because of the relationship, whether it be our supervisor, whether it be our spouse, whether it be our children, that it is difficult for us to pull totally away from, I pray, dear God, that you would give us your insight as to how to pray for him or her. Dear God, they are hurting. And only you know why. I pray that you would give us your divine wisdom. I pray, dear Father, that you would help us to see clearly. And dear Father, if there are relationships that we have at this point that are on the horizon, but that would not be healthy for us, I pray, dear God, that you would help us to see Dear God, I pray your hedge of protection that you would keep us from entering relationships with those like King Saul who have such a rage within them that they will destroy anyone or anything in their path. Dear God, as Jonathan was a peacemaker, I pray that you help us to be peacemakers where peacemaking is something that we can accomplish. But dear God, I pray that you give us the wisdom to realize that some people you have turned over to their own devices for this season of time and that we need to have healthy boundaries. Step away and leave them on your altar. In Jesus' holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. I thank you so much for tuning in. This is one of my favorite stories, again, because of the whole relationship between Jonathan and David. But it's challenging because of the heartache that came to Jonathan on this particular day where the scales came off and he saw his father for who he really was. What a painful day this would have been. May God be especially near to you today. We still have our Facebook group, still trying to build on that. The name of it is Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. If you would like to email me any questions, concerns, any prayer requests, please reach out to me at encouragingothersinlovingjesus at gmail.com. We all have our hurts. We all have our concerns. But if we could just come together, that we could, we could have somebody that we, we knew had our back, that would pray for us to have wisdom, that would pray that we have the strength that we need. And remember, our weekly assignment feature is ask God to show you hot-tempered tendencies in those you regularly encounter. And I didn't put it on there, but to then give you the wisdom and the courage to act appropriately. And as we always end our broadcast, remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm -hmm.